0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Sign up for a six-month bottled water contract for your home or office today and get your first five-gallon bottle free. Visit watertomydoor.com and use code DRINKITIN at checkout.
1: This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the
0: headlines
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Midday Super Talk, Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, and I am coming at you live from Tupelo, Mississippi. We are in downtown Tupelo at Stones Jewelry, Rhino Safe and Sound, back at Super Talk headquarters. We are here to uh, raise a little money for Sanctuary Hospice on this. Huh. Wasn't too bad coming up here today, Rhino. When I left, the weather was uh, quite mild, but uh, en route somewhere along the Trace ran into a bit of rain. So there is a a batch that is kind of draped across the uh, northern tier of the state. Moved through Tupelo. It's out of here now and has stopped, thankfully. But we're inside Stone's Jewelry. Got a great... Lineup in store for you today. Coming up in the next segment, former member of the Mississippi House of Representatives, that would be Steve Holland. He typically comes on the program when we're up in the Tupelo area. And then Heather Palmer with Sanctuary Hospice. John Quaka, the police chief for the Tupelo Police Department. Randy Boyd, a current member of the Mississippi House of Representatives who represents Itawamba and Lee County counties uh, where we are at WAM of course adjacent and then Miss Joanne Stone the owner of Stone's Jewelry will join us at 11.50 the mayor of the great city of Tupelo Todd Jordan at 12.05 Mari Gia Kelly director of existing business development for Community Development Foundation in Mississippi joins middays at 12.20 and we'll wrap the day up once again with Miss Stone owner of Stones Jewelry at 1250. So overnight, uh, first let's talk about this Rhino, I think it's appropriate. Today is Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. That uh, this day was designated as such by the Congress in 1994. Designated December 7th is National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. Each day, of course, the day is commemorated, the events that occurred on that day, the tragic events for the United States and the world. Commemorated in Hawaii and across the country, American flags across the country will be flown at half-staff for the anniversary of that attack on that fateful Sunday morning on December 7th 1941 as described by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt when he addressed the nation a day which will live in infamy and clearly he was prescient about that it certainly has it should be remembered by all Americans a past present and future I certainly hope that it is being discussed in schools across America because those who sacrificed not only on uh, that day at Pearl Harbor where the American naval fleet was virtually destroyed by surprise attack bombers from the empire as FDR described it of Japan that uh, led us to enter World War II the United States and of course that was uh, a very difficult time in our history so many American members of our armed forces lost uh, both in the Pacific theater and also of course in the European theater as well fighting a world war against uh, aggression imperialism Nazism etc and and so we should take time to reflect on their sacrifices to protect our freedoms. The other thing, of course, is as time progresses, few survivors remain. It's uh, getting kind of sad. And and those that are, uh, of course, we're talking 80 years ago and 81 years to be exact. And when you think about that, uh, someone that was in the service at that time, they're around 100 years old now. If, if not uh, some over, so there are not many of them that uh, are still around with us today, and and we cherish every one of them. They are they are precious, and we should of course extend the ultimate amount of gratitude. I'm looking at a, a photo portfolio, folks, of just how we have commemorated this day. Looking at some of the original. Honestly, iconic photos showing the the battleships on fire ablaze, smoke billowing from the infrastructure into the sky. Not sure who actually took those photos, but I think most folks have seen them, and and also the, was it uh, Higgins Airfield, I think, the Ford Island Naval Air Station as well, when the Japanese went over there, flew their bombers over there, directed them to attack the aircraft on the ground position there. Then I'm looking at uh, President Joe Biden, First Lady Joe Biden, visiting the National World War II Memorial. That would be last year, the 80th anniversary, but a great picture of, of President Trump. And this was this was in uh, on this day in 2017, five years ago, and he is surrounded in the Oval Office by a number of uh, veterans of uh, that, that day, World War II, and they're obviously all older gentlemen and shaking his hand, and he is embracing them. It's just a great photo showing an American president extending the, his gratitude and, and respect uh, to these heroes, honestly. And then several of them in attendance, uh, looking at a photo of several in attendance, Pearl Harbor survivors, Um, at the memorial and and they are standing at attention many of them with their VFW hats on they're standing at attention and and saluting my guess is they're probably uh, playing the Star Spangled Banner at that point in time where they're standing at attention for that and then uh, some of the members of one of the American Legion posts in West Virginia firing a 21 gun salute at the conclusion of a National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day ceremony in Charleston, West Virginia. So this is a big day, uh, December 7th, where we remember those who who fought for this nation, who served this nation, who gave their lives to enable us to pursue uh, life, liberty, and happiness. That's what it was all about. So here we are. Also, of course, we have got to talk about the election yesterday in Georgia, the runoff election where Democrat incumbent Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock, as he describes himself, eked out a victory by some 98,000 votes at last count. And I know a lot of folks talk a lot about uh, polls, political polls in particular, campaign polls, and, and many don't have a great deal of, of confidence in those polls. And, and I differ with them somewhat on that. If you, uh, and I know a lot of folks will point to the 2016 election and how Trump uh, really surprised everybody and defied all the polls. And I, I'm certainly cognizant of that, understand that. Although I I will say that I was paying attention to Rasmussen quite a bit. I still think they're one of the best polling organizations, politically speaking. And Rasmussen, as uh, we approached Election Day, their polls were reflecting that Trump had a really good chance of pulling it out. And he did in those four swing states where I think he just shocked the world. But with respect to this election, it finished very consistent, very consistent. With all the polls, uh, two to three percent, which is what they'd all been showing since the primary election uh, in November, and then leading up to this runoff election, so it it ended that way. John from Pontotoc on the C Spire text line says Joe Manchin lost his juice last night with the Georgia election. I would somewhat agree with you there, John. Of course, what John's talking about there is is uh, Senator Manchin has largely dissented. With the Democrats, uh, the total 50 Democrats, 50, of course, Republicans, prior to the outcome of yesterday's election. Now it's 51 49 situation where Democrats have a uh, a two seat majority. So, John, I think you're right because Joe <coughs> often voted, um, and, and honestly, it's because of him the, the total Green New Deal got. Got blocked, and uh, the Build Back Better uh, Act that Joe Biden really ran on that got blocked. That couldn't make it because Joe Manchin would not support those measures, and in Kristin Cinema as well. I will say, however, both did support the scaled-down version, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which is really kind of uh, Green New Deal light, build back better light, if you will. So they did support that, but you're right, John, his his vote may be irrelevant because they've got enough without him on the Democrat side to get their stuff through. But thank God we got a House of Representatives that uh, is not likely that now is in Republican control. We're we're stepping aside for a break. Former Representative Steve Holland when we return. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking.
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert.
2: Let's get on with
0: it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Santa Claus. Hey, Santa hey,
3: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk, Mississippi. We are once again in Tupelo, Mississippi. We are live at Stones Jewelry. Don't forget to come by, bring a new unused blanket, or make a monetary donation to be registered for drawings each hour during the show. We're gonna announce the winners in the final segment of each of our three hours here in Tupelo at Stone's Jewelry. And we're looking for uh, Representative Steve Holland, former Representative Steve Holland. I think we may swap segments when we get him on. He's running a bit late, that's fine. Okay, good. So we we may just move him to ten thirty seven if that'll work. So um, so on the ceasefire text line Mose says Gerard December seventh also has special meaning to our family. We lost our father in this day on this day in twenty twenty. Sorry to hear about that, Mose. And uh, you're in you're in my thoughts and prayers for sure. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I know it's a tough day, and we're awfully sorry about that so so trump's the only president that's taken a great picture. Remember the day with a series of laughing emojis. hmm on the ceasefire text line from the 662. Okay, we've got uh, former representative Steve Holland now here in the Element Well Studios. We're once again here at Stone's Jewelry in Tupelo, Mississippi. All right, uh, Mr. Former Representative. <laughs> Good, Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Mississippi. Sir. Yes, sir. We were we were just talking about uh, this being the 81st anniversary of the attack on Pearl harbor. Well, I wasn't born then. No, I wasn't either. I'm getting pretty old, but I wasn't born then. But it's incredible as we reflect upon that 81 years ago, and that uh, honestly was a watershed event that changed the course of history in our world, so we're just honoring and respecting those who, uh, of course, serve in our, our military, our armed forces in particular, uh, what, 2,200 or so that lost their lives right, in that right. attack. Right, well, uh, right. I mean, we w- should
3: remember. Yes, we should always remember our veterans and all of those that have done what they did to keep our freedom and to keep our democracy going. And it's very important. I always support veterans organizations and have high personal respect for anybody that uh, has ever served in the military. Yes, sir. Indeed. Well said.
1: So, what's going on in your world these days?
3: Well, I still own my funeral home and yeah. I do about 500 funerals a year, so every day I have to work with a family to say goodbye to loved ones. That's what I do most of the time. Matter of fact, all the time now. Yeah. But I have pretty much decided that I'm going to be a candidate for Fifth District Supervisor in Lee County.
1: You shared that with me when yeah. I was up here last. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, I I, I don't miss Jackson. Let's just get that straight You've right now.
1: You made that clear.
3: I I spent 36 <laughs> years down there, and and it was honorable work, and I've got a record that I think will stand on its own from there. But 30, 40 years ago now, the job I really wanted was Lee County Supervisor. Really. Now my brother held has held the job. I think. Twelve years, maybe by now, maybe sixteen. I don't know. Twelve at least, and I don't know. It just seems like a natural for me to get back in. I love this county. I'm a native of this county, fifth generation from this county, and uh, Tupelo and Lee County are very progressive. We have wonderful people here. We have lots to do. We're a regional mecca for Northeast Mississippi, and and. Uh, We've always had good leadership, and I just think I can add to it. I I sat on the budget committee 18 years in Jackson. I know how to formulate a budget much larger than Lee County's budget, uh, Mm -hmm. more multifaceted. Uh, That's a big part of what a supervisor does. And uh, beyond that, I've never let go of the public. Let's just face it. (laughs) I get as many calls... Without, as my late mother said, son, don't ever quit because you'll give up your stick. That's all you'll do. You spoil (laughs) the public and they'll never let you alone. And, and, And mama's no best, of course. So she's right. So maybe it'll give me an opportunity to, in a more comprehensive manner, uh, serve the public because I. All right. Literally. So,
1: how long did you serve in the house? You say thirty-six, 36 years. Very long. Years. All right, but you you just stated that being a supervisor, uh, being in that political position, was your dream, your goal. Why did you wait so long? Well, I got entrenched
3: in the legislature. I mean, that's where the they want to give up your stick. Oh uh, well. I could have given it up many, many, many years before, but the folks around here that I've spoiled, that I helped get in
1: nursing homes, get <laughs> on Medicaid, get their you.
3: disability,
1: okay, said no, indeed. So you 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 felt like you you kind of needed to stay in their service in that role. Well,
3: I, there's still room for good people, I think, in public service, and and uh, sure, I'm I'm getting closer to 70 than I've ever been now, but I'm. Very youthful in my attitude. Uh, All of us are, by the way. And uh, uh, I've got a lot of energy. <laughs> I have no health problems whatsoever. Just went through a physical in every... Listen, Mississippi, the guy that was 310 pounds at one time and got the legislature in an aggressive program that lost 3,000 pounds in 90 days... Is in perfect health. I just have bad knees. I need knee replacements, but <laughs> they're gonna have to wait. You know, they make hover rounds. If All right. You so, in the other way, uh,
1: first, I'm going to ask you, as a supervisor, what what would be your priorities there for the county?
3: Well, I've got a couple of three things that I've always been interested in. Uh, as I said, Lee County is such a progressive county. We've got a good tax base. We've got 17 Fortune 500s in this county. We our people work. We just went through a disaster with United Furniture, and that's that's impacted our area greatly, but we shall overcome from that. We always do. Uh, I am a historical preservationist. I still have the original lighthouse on our farm, restored. Hmm. Uh, I don't tear down anything. I just build around and and remodel. Our, Our original Lee County courthouse is Crumley. Now that don't sound like a big matter, but it's the hallmark of this county. It it is the showplace of this county. I want to get really aggressive on making the needed repairs to keep that courthouse viable over the next few generations, because I think it's that important from okay. a historical pr- prospect uh, okay. perspective. The Lee County Library. I learned to read when I was five years old on a bookmobile that came to our farm, <clears throat> and I've always had a penchant for public libraries do for our people. I know the MO has changed a little bit with our technological age but they're just as viable to me as ever. We need some great improvements in the in the library here in Lee County which is well used so that's a priority. Uh, infrastructure is always a priority and, and we do a good job in this county. Our supervisors have been remarkable over the last Couple of twenty years uh, with infrastructure in this county, there's scarcely a rock road left. I don't know if there's a one in this county, and they're well maintained. And I salute the board of supervisors for keeping that. That'll be important to me. We got a groups. major responsibility. We major. Point out. of supervisors. Yes. Yes. It's a county major. roads. Yeah. I mean, the, county the, 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 the position supervisor used to be. That called in the days of oh, I can even remember in my lifetime, road supervisor. Yeah, road supervisor. Right? Road supervisor, but their responsibilities are much greater than that.
1: Pave here, gravel there. That's it. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. Uh, and then. Uh, the other thing is we've been fighting a jail problem here for a long time that we just cannot get a grip on it doesn't seem so I don't know I know a lot about it I I had to deal with the state penitentiary system for 36 years and served on appropriations 32 of those 36 years and and I know about funding I know about federal lawsuits I know pretty much the genesis and the need of uh, prisons and what can happen if they're not properly done in, in penal systems. So okay. that's been a struggle. I mean it's plenty to do. This you know, I'll be right in with C D F on economic development projects here. The Board of Supervisors plays a big role in that and tax incentives and so forth. So I know the lay of the land. I'm I'm not a neophyte sure. to governing and, and I don't know. I need something to do, I reckon five hundred funerals a year is not
1: enough. <laughs> All right, so uh Let's talk a little bit about the session coming up in less than a month now. Uh, those those wily legislators are gonna be back under the dome. What do you wanna see happen? You thought about that? Well,
3: I read in our paper this morning, we got a billion dollar surplus and they wanna do a tax cut.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Our mental health system is, oh my God, it needs so much funding, our public health system. You know, I, w- I was always called a liberal because mm-hmm. I, I, I believed in investing monies in our people all across the board uh, we have so many needs in this state and always when there was a, a movement in the poorest state in the nation to have a tax cut i would be the one to say if you feel we've got that much money and the people need some back send them a five hundred dollar check at christmas every taxpayer but don't cut your tax base it has been cut so much in the last eight years that part of this surplus is all this federal money that uh, that came into the state in, in post-COVID and that kind of thing. And, and, oh, we've got infrastructure needs in the state that are extraordinary. I'm telling you, I, that wonderful 87 highway program that I was a big part of, yep. it, it needs some pavement and some concrete. I understand. And and the lottery was supposed to take care of that. It has to a large degree. I, I, it's going to be a rough year because it's an election year, and I doubt much will happen. And I figure we will get a tax cut, which I will oppose. Always, always good talking to you. Yeah. Appreciate you You can run me off. Man? You can come
1: back for the next time if you want to. No, no, no. I'm doing you want to come back?
3: No, I can't do that. i got to okay. go back to work. But I think, let me just say this before I leave. Oh, really? Stone's jewelry is an institution in this.
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our show. On Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one.
1: Welcome back, Midday Super Top Mississippi, live from Stone's Jewelry, downtown Tupelo, Mississippi. Don't forget to come by and bring a new unused blanket or make a monetary donation to be registered for drawings that will be conducted each hour while we're on the air here on Middays. And all the proceeds go to help the Sanctuary Hospice. And Heather Palmer with Sanctuary Hospice is going to join us in the next segment. So, on the ceasefire text line, uh, back to this um, listener who sent us a text about Trump, my <laughs> my, just sharing that I was looking through some photos in what was a really well done piece uh, commemorating the uh, this day, December 7th, the... Uh, anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor and I just happened to mention that included amongst those photos that I was describing trying to give the audience a a visual description there included one of President Trump 2017 in the Oval Office surrounded by a number of Pearl Harbor survivors and I I felt found that to be a very uplifting and patriotic photo (coughs) It, but unfortunately, some people are all about the person and the personality, such as the individual that sent us this uh, pho- uh, excuse me, this text that said, "So Trump's the only president that's taken a great picture. Remember the day Well, I, I didn't say that. I did not uh, suggest that Donald Trump was the only president in our history that ever was included in a, a photo, a respectful photo. Of, uh, of the day, Pearl Harbor Day, Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, December 7th, didn't say that. And honestly, to me, it's not about the person who is sitting in the Oval Office at, as the President being featured in that photo. It's about the office. In the office, the present office holder happened to be Donald Trump. I would have made the same analysis and offered the same bit of of respect is, is the way I, I hope that came across uh, for a president, any president regardless of party affiliation, taking the time to host members of our military uh, in the Oval Office. That is what it should be and that should be something that uh, occurs on a regular basis in in my view and if you have done a little uh, research into the history the very first day that Ronald Reagan was seated in the Oval Office very first event he had was uh, a dinner a dinner party uh, in the White House for some selected members of the military because it was reported is I recall that his predecessor, Jimmy Carter, never had members of the military as guests in the People's White House, which I find not really shocking, but despicable. So again, this is about, and this is, I hope, where we uh, we can all get to, to, as Americans, this is about respect for the office of the presidency and the fact that the office hosted members of our military in this case veterans of Pearl Harbor but some people have to politicize everything and introduce uh, some discussion of the personality in this case one who I, it appears to me, Rhino, from looking back through the history of the text from this individual, someone who's not a fan of Donald Trump or the Republican Party. No, they suffer
0: severely t- from Trump derangement syndrome. They've got a bad <laughs> case of the orange man pads.
1: So I just wanted to cl- thank you, Rhino. I just want to clarify that it's it's um, this isn't about me trying to promote Donald Trump. It's about showing respect for. The highest office in the land, playing host to veterans of Pearl Harbor. Period. Get over it. Geez, Gary in the Berg says, "Thanks for remembering Pearl Harbor today." Very well said. I would hope our schools are teaching our children today about this time in history. I agree. I can assure you of this. I'm I'm very proud of the fact that my young daughter, who does not teach history, teaches Eng- English and the language arts on Pearl Harbor Day, and on 9-11, she discusses that in her classroom, even though it's not history classes, because she feels it is necessary, and I'm proud of her for this, that students are aware of these tragic events, and, and they're aware of their the historical consequences that ensued, and the, the sacrifices of first responders, and of course, civilians, innocent civilians that went down as well. And in the case of Pearl Harbor, members of our military that fought valiantly to salvage the fleet uh, that was all docked there and also our aircraft resources as well, and then hordes of them volunteered to go off and serve their country, many of whom lost their lives in defense of our country and freedom. And uh, it behooves us, it is totally appropriate for all of us to keep that in mind and be respectful of that. Now, again, nuance is important. You know, I I have been critical of uh, some of the woke policies that have infiltrated our military, but that does not mean I do not respect those who serve In uniform for us that's really targeted at a handful of the few at the top that I just think are misguided and in fact are harming injuring the power and the value of our military to keep us all safe and free proud of the city of Greenville we are having a ceremony downtown commemorating this day on the ceasefire text line that is that is awesome respect, honor, remember from Carol in Starkville. This is a photo of what looks like a poster of a silhouette of uh, a member of the armed forces uh, saluting. And I can't read it too well there, Carol, but it looks like you're having a, is this in Starkville? Are you guys are having some sort of event as well? I hope so. That's, that's awesome. Paul Meridian says maybe he wants you to point out if there's a picture of Obama with military personnel on Pearl Harbor. And you know, I don't know whether or not that's the case, Paul. And that may be, and if I happen to come across one, I would point it out as well. I'm not all obsessed with you know the, the political persuasion of whomever the person is in office when it comes to this issue. This particular event and what we remember on this day that's that trumps all of this other political garbage Gosh, we just got to get past that Tim and McGee says tell Steve Thank you for blocking those traffic cameras in our state in all caps He was the main man in that fight. Yeah, I actually did pass it on to him Tim at your request uh, Just before he left after he was uh, on the air and he, he he, um, he extended his gratitude to you for remembering that and pointing that out and also said that he single-handedly made that happen and I believe that is the case. He, he did fight really hard for that. Let's see here, uh, Ben from Madison says Rubio kinda lit up the Senate leadership. I know it won't happen but it may be time to move on from McConnell and so I think what t- uh, Ben is talking about there is the loss of uh, the Senate now the, well, certainly the loss of the split Senate. Now we have a Senate that is is uh, <clears throat> definitely in the firmly in the control of the Democrats with 51-49. So what does this mean, folks, it's, it's not so much legislation that uh, the possibility of legislation passing that is improved because Republicans took control of the House. So that sort of stands as a as a, uh, a protection against that a safeguard against that but what it does mean is that from like a committee assignment perspective where you have joint leadership in committees now you don't shared leadership uh, you don't have that and then when it comes to appointments such as for cabinet members judicial appointments as well um, you lose some some control and stroke and, and leverage certainly in those events uh... also investigative and um, investigative power and the power to uh, inve- in not only investigate but um, subpoena, subpoena powers of the board. I'm looking for for certain folks that would need to come testify before the Senate. You don't have that level of control uh, anymore. And so lots of things, unfortunately, just go negative when in a situation where you've got 51-49 versus 50-50. So those are the, the adverse circumstances that we're now going to have to deal with. Thank God we have control of the House to keep any really bad legislation from pushing through because if we'd have lost control of the House, you can just see what would have happened with the 49 Senate. All sorts of the really harmful, dangerous Biden agenda measures would have gone right through the House, over to the Senate, placed on the President's desk for signature. So. Thank God that we were able to to flip the house in that respect. It is time for a break here on Middays. Once again, we are downtown Tupelo, Mississippi at Stone's Jewelry coming back with Heather Palmer in the Element Well Studios from Sanctuary Hospice. Stay with us.
4: Properly set all controls before recording. All systems go. Good
0: talk that keeps mississippi talking middays with gerard gibbert on super talk mississippi
1: Oh well the blessing my soul what's wrong with me i am itching like a man on a fuzzy tree my friends say i'm acting wild as a bug i'm in love i'm all shook up Ooh. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super top Mississippi. I see what you did there, Rhino. You always got the Elvis music going anytime I'm up here in Tupelo. I <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, so we have a winner. We talked earlier about uh, having drawings today here. It's Stones uh, Jewelry, Stones for Sanctuary Benefit Day for Sanctuary Hospice. And we have a winner in the first drawing. Just drew it at the end of the first hour on Middays. It is Kena Kaysen with Bishop's Flower Shop. Kina Kaysen with Bishop's Flower Shop has won the, uh, the first prize here today. We've got two more coming up at the end of each hour on middays. And speaking of Sanctuary Hospice, joining us now in the Element Well Studios is Heather Palmer with Sanctuary Hospice. Good to see you, Heather.
5: Yes, sir. All
1: right, so this is um, the folks here at Stone's, uh, Miss Stone and so forth. They are committed to Sanctuary Hospice. I remember... Uh, joanne telling the story of how she she came to get involved and wanted to do this this uh this benefit day mm-hmm. but it's pretty important to it you is. guys is it
5: it is it is it, this and all the fundraisers that are done for sanctuary important um we have a nonprofit hospice house here in tupelo and it takes about 1.8 million dollars a year to keep the doors open yeah we take care of all patients regardless of ability to pay and um, we need all the dollars we can get to help support it
1: and it's so critical to families when they have a loved one that uh, has been essentially put in that position Mm -hmm. where they've got to enter hospice and they're at the the end of their life essentially and you want to make it as comfortable as possible and that's what you guys do.
5: We do, we do and it's, you know, sometimes people think of hospice as only being for the elderly. It's not. We have patients that are, you know, the youngest one we've had has been two years old and um, you know, our oldest one is in the hundreds so we never know who who we're touching, who we're going to get, what kind of families um, need our support but you know death affects all ages for sure sure,
1: sure. so how are you funded
5: we are funded through. We do accept Medicare and Medicaid mm-hmm. when we are able to bill it. Mm-hmm. But at the hospice house, we aren't always able to get the full reimbursement. Sure. So memorials, honorariums. We do Celebration Village, which you came to. Yep, sure did. Um sure And then things like this where the community, just the awareness of what we do, um, you know, they, they make, they'll come by and bring blankets. They'll be, bring canned goods. You know, it takes a village. It takes every bit of it to pull it together and keep it going and make it happen.
1: It feels like from just talking to folks that, that we have on the show and just other friends that I know in the area that they they embrace sanctuary hospice. They they, they understand its value to the community and they want to make sure that uh, it's viable and it sticks around because we, we all are subject to having uh, that need. Right. And right. you want to make sure that it's there and, and again, that uh, loved ones are treated respectfully. And, of course, uh, the entire family, family benefits uh, from that as well.
5: They do. You know, this entire community since its inception, Sanctuary has been open, um, opened its doors in 2005, but fundraising began five years prior. And it's just amazing how they, like you said, the community has endeared it. They Mm -hmm. have supported it. I think they realize that there's nothing quite like it anywhere around here to speak of. Um, It's unheard of to go somewhere and be cared for in a medical setting, to receive one statement and say, here's what." your charges were if you can pay it pay it and if you can't don't do it yeah we never turn anyone over for collections that's not what it's about our founders were um, passionate about the mission they wanted people to not worry about that when it came to end of life they wanted
1: care so what are we looking for today? New unused blankets yeah. for monetary donation. Come by Stone's right. Jewelry here.
5: Right, right. The uh, monetary donations for sure, as I expressed, we, 1.8 million is what it takes to keep the doors open. But those new unused blankets come in handy for all of our patients. They receive a new blanket when they come on our services, and um, the families keep it, you know, yeah. afterwards. So
1: The staff. Uh, folks are, you got to have kind of a, a special makeup to mm-hmm. do that sort of work.
5: For sure they do. I mean, I, I talk to them, and it amazes me how they get to know these families. They get to know them like they become part of their family. But yeah. um, to be able to embrace people for a short period of time like that, to take care of them like they are your, are your own family, and then to see them, you know, out of this world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um and then being able to do it again, it takes a special calling,
1: for sure. Yeah, it definitely does. Sure. So how long have you been with the organization? Twelve either? years. Twelve
5: years. Yeah. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Labor of love. You it feel is like? a
5: labor of love. Yeah. yeah. I had a family experience before I came. Yeah. So I worked um, I worked at AT&T prior. It's a okay. little bit different. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, we appreciate you coming on and and talking about Sanctuary Hospice. And and I realize it's uh, certainly a very important part of the Tupelo and the North Mississippi community. And I appreciate you coming on and having us here at Stone's Jewelry. And we need to get folks out to bring a new unused blanket or come by and make a monetary donation and be um, eligible for drawing. we got two more today at the end of each of the hours here on Middays. It's time to take a break for Super Talk News, Fox News on the other side of that. At. We've got the police chief of Tupelo, the Tupelo Police Department, Chief John Quaka. Stay with us.
0: And now, and now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking.
6: That's what I like to listen to.
1: Welcome to hour two of Midday's Everyone Super Talk, Mississippi. We are live in Tupelo, Mississippi. It's Stones Jewelry, and joining us now is the police chief of the Tupelo Police Department, John Quack. Chief, thanks for coming on, sir.
4: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, so how long you been uh, the chief? For eleven months. Eleven months, not too long. No, I've been in local law enforcement for eleven months. So really? It's, so it's all new to me. Okay. Yeah.
1: So uh, you just decided to become the chief. Well, What motivated you there? <laughs> so
4: I applied for it last year. Um, on December 31st, I retired from the FBI after nearly 27 years. Okay. And had accomplished everything I wanted to do with the Bureau. And this opening came up, and I applied, and I was lucky enough to get the job. Okay. Well, well awesome.
1: So how's it been going for that 11 months?
4: Well, it was a learning curve for me. Sure. Because there is a difference between federal law enforcement and local law enforcement. But I had an unbelievable leadership staff Already in place that has helped me along so it's been really good. It's been actually better than I thought it would be Do you feel like they've embraced you as well? They have Um, I've lived in Tupelo for 20 years I worked with the Tupelo Police Department when I was with the FBI, so I knew everyone I was an outsider But somewhat still of an insider.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's important. Yeah what uh, what's the crime like in Tupelo?
4: So I get asked that a lot by my friends that don't live in Tupelo. They said, what's the crime like in Tupelo? Sure. And there's crime everywhere, but it is good here. Okay. I'll give you an example. I mean, I ask people all the time, how many murders do you think we've had in Tupelo this year? And they'll throw out numbers, 30, 40, because they're comparing us to Memphis and Jackson. We've had three. Wow. Now, three's too high. Mm -hmm. I would like to see zero, but we've had three this year.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like that you've got good relationship and and support and cooperation uh, from the judicial side of things?
4: Yes, absolutely. So I've known the district attorney for quite a while. Um, I knew the mayor before I took the job. I knew a lot of the city council and everybody in Tupelo is supportive of law enforcement. We don't see any branches of the community at all that are anti-law enforcement. Um, We've made it a point to go out to the community to build relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, Matter of fact, I'm hosting one tomorrow night where people can come in and ask me any question they want. I tell them no question is out of bounds. My I may not know the answer. Sure. But um you can ask me anything you want. So the community has embraced uh, our department and uh, it's been really good.
1: Mm, awesome. Um we got a legislative session coming up as you know. Right. Anything in particular? you need from them at the state level that you'd like to see happen
4: right so recently we have met with our state legislatures and we have asked them to fund us half a million dollars for the police department because we want to build a real-time intelligence center jackson has one starkville has one Hmm. it is a game changer for the future of law enforcement it is really bringing technology into the picture And that's what we've asked for for
1: the police department. What what does that incorporate?
4: So it incorporates a lot. Uh, It incorporates expensive software, it incorporates camera systems we already have in the city, it incorporates new camera systems we will bring online, license plate readers, Mm -hmm. but the greatest thing is it incorporates surveillance systems of businesses that are already I got you. So we will go to businesses in Tupelo and say, hey, we're going to provide you mm-hmm. this free modem, and it will allow us to view your video system, the cameras you choose, real-time live. Mm-hmm. Startville showed us what they have on their platform. It's amazing how many crimes have been solved because you can actually go
1: into real-time into surveillance systems that are all over the city what about just perhaps being notified as you're observing the system of a crime in process and you're able to perhaps dispatch react and maybe stop it
4: absolutely or if we have a burglary at a at a business we can go live to that video feed and we can direct our officers where they need to go
1: yeah yeah it, it's a game-changer which um, mm-hmm. obviously could help in in stopping the act but protecting the officer as well that's right right it's a win-win for us yeah wow that's awesome so
4: what are you looking for there 500,000 yes in, that, in that's, that respect you're right that's what we propose to our state legislators
1: so okay What's their take on that? They support it? Uh, they were very receptive of it, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You think you may head down to the Capitol to kind of help them make that pitch? I will. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, I will. You'll be a lobbyist for that that's day. Right. That's right. For one day, I can do that. What do you think, Chief, about this uh, this this sweeping of uh, uh, that's happening in, in the nation, particularly in the Democrat-run cities, that uh, just seem to be decriminalizing crime. I, I'll give you an example. I, I read a report this morning, saw an interview actually, and then read a report following the interview with the CEO of Walmart, who said that last year they they have, um, according to their analysis, they lost about two billion dollars, two billion to theft. Right. And now uh, the CEO of Walmart said we're likely to shut down some stores in certain communities, which leave. Which hurts the communities because then the, the, the uh, residents of the community which shop at the Walmart need it for many, most of their shopping happens that's right. there. Now they don't have access to that. And so it's a huge lose. But they, it also requires them to increase their prices to cover the, the theft, the shrinkage. It's really not shrinkage, it's theft. That's right. what it is and And I think that's just because the criminals are emboldened and it's not just random individuals there's syndicates there's there's groups there's mobs behind this that are sponsoring this and so I call it decriminalizing crime right and we're we're demonizing the victims It's like upside down that's right
4: do you have concerns about that? Well, we don't in tuplo um, a law is made by the state legislature or the federal congress and we're going to enforce it sure. that's our job my job is not to make laws my job is not to decide which laws we're going to enforce and what we're not okay. so we're going to enforce it you're absolutely right about shoplifting shoplifting has a trickle-down effect um, not only does it hurt the store it hurts the community it hurts the school system it hurts everything yeah so we absolutely pursue those we don't you know, if we have 100 shoplifters today, we're not going to say, yeah, we just don't have time to do that. We're going to address
1: it. Yeah. Absolutely. And then there's some cities such as Los Angeles and, and San Francisco, which have in, increased the, the level, the threshold, the dollar amount threshold. They don't even mess with anything, say, under $900. They don't even uh, uh, attend to. Right. How's that work here? Well, so according to the statute
4: it's a misdemeanor if it's under a thousand okay and it's a felony if it's a thousand or more so those are numbers I cannot play with sure so if they steal something worth $900 it's going to be a misdemeanor charge but if it's a thousand dollars and thirty two cents then we have a felony
1: charge. Well but in a misdemeanor charge you're still arrested somebody. That's right. right. Yeah and but they're going to be prosecuted it's going <clears> to <throat> be on the record but heck in this case they just say oh forget about that it's less than $900 we're not going to toy with it.
4: That's right but keep in mind you know we have limited jail space. I understand. So there are a lot of misdemeanors that don't actually they're arrested but they don't actually go straight to jail. Yeah. So You know, that's a problem because if we could send these people to jail, then we're seeing repeat shoplifters all
1: the time yeah and that's part of the problem we're seeing in a lot of these big cities where it's really rampant which is they're, they're letting them out uh, without cash bail and and they're just back on the streets doing it again with impunity and they know that and they're emboldened and that just seems to be what's sweeping the country and when you got the CEO of the largest retailer in the world saying yeah we lost two billion dollars two billion right that's a problem that's a problem it is yeah and uh, well I and in respect you for saying this this is a law. We're going we're gonna to abide by the law. That's your job. That's your role. Lawmakers make the laws. And that's the way it should be. Right. Absolutely. Uh, no doubt about that. But unfortunately, what we've got going on in other areas of the country is they're, they're modifying the laws uh, to accommodate um, what appears to be some sort of political agenda more than anything and shouldn't be that way. It's, it, it's almost like we're justifying some of this crime. You're right. And we're rationalizing it and, and for political purposes and as you said we're all losers we in that respect. Right. So and um and you got retailers that are saying I'm moving out of those areas. You don't have that problem here, do you?
4: No, we don't. We actually we're having retailers move in
1: here. Yeah. I mean yeah.
4: Tupelo is the linchpin of northeast Mississippi. No doubt. And we have to keep it that way. What about
1: your staffing? How's that going, Chief?
4: So law enforcement nationwide's down. We are down, but not by much, not by other departments. Yeah. Uh, and we're still being particular on who we hire. So as of today, I'm probably about five officers short, um, which is something we can easily live with. But we're always hiring just because we have retirements and things like that. But yeah. s- But staffing, we're in a good spot right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, anything you want to say to, uh, from a recruiting perspective that would attract someone thinking about it, maybe on the fence? Yeah, certainly. So because of the change in leadership
4: we've had in the past year, we have drawn a lot of attention to officers throughout the state that are already certified. Gotcha. So if you're looking to come to a, a progressive Fresh department, uh, Tupelo PD is it for the state of Mississippi?
1: Awesome. Well, Chief, thank you for keeping uh, Tupelo safe. That's that's important, and it it's you, you really can't have a functioning community and a quality of life unless you are. It's no, as simple right. as that. You're right. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thanks for coming on, Chief John Kwaka, the police chief for the Tupelo Police Department, the city of Tupelo. We're stepping aside for a break right here. We've got uh, another segment, and then we've got Randy Boyd. He represents. Ittawamba and Lee Counties in the Mississippi House of Representatives at 1137. And Miss Joanne Stone, owner of Stone's Jewelry, at 1150. And another drawing. Come on down and see us. We're downtown Tupelo at Stone's Jewelry.
0: Three. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it.
1: would of course be the train passing by that you hear in the background. That's about four of them this morning we've already heard in the first uh, hour or so. We are back. We're at Stones Jewelry in Tupelo, Mississippi. Don't forget to come by and see us. We already had, um, let's see, yeah come by and see us. And bring a new unused blanket or make a monetary donation and that'll get you registered for drawings each hour here while we're on site Tupelo Mississippi at stones jewelry and all the proceeds go to benefit sanctuary hospice so just taking a look here at this news apparently that the Congress has agreed lawmakers have agreed to rescind the military's covid 19 mandate in the latest defense authorization bill the ndaa as it is called and that is what is used to fund uh, defense run the military the department of defense in this country the ndaa so it hasn't been enacted yet but the proposal does appear to have the sufficient number of votes to rescind this ridiculous COVID-19 vaccine mandate that is uh, hampering the military's ability to recruit new folks into the armed forces. And there are several that refused to take the vaccine and were dismissed or left on their own accord. While this legislation, as proposed, would not reinstate them or compensate them back pay, the hope is that's next. There's still a move afoot, starting in the House, where it is under Republican control. But even some Democrats are on board with this. They, they see the wisdom in, in this legislation and also see it as, as uh, necessary and appropriate to rescind. Also, with respect to this NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, as it is called each time it, it passes through the Congress, signed by the President to fund, essentially fund the military. And the amount now is 850 being proposed, 857.9 billion dollars. That, folks, is a 45 billion dollar increase than President Biden had requested. And a 85, uh, just doing the math in my head, $85 billion increase over the prior year. So it looks like, uh, pardon me, it's about $80 billion. But nonetheless, an $80 billion increase from fiscal year 22 to fiscal year 23 to fund America's military, which of course is a component of discretionary spending, meaning it has to get funded uh, on an annual basis as opposed to mandatory spending, which is just on autopilot. I know we beat that horse to death, but it, I think it's worth repeating. It's, it's probably one of the least understood aspects of how federal spending works. So, uh, you know, I I'm not smart enough to understand and argue with anyone about what should be invested in and funded from a military perspective and what should not be, without certainly without analyzing at a very low level the details of how that money will be spent. But I can share what makes up some of the increase with you and that's a 4.6 percent pay raise for military members, service members and also Department of Defense civilians and the housing allowance for service members also is increasing by 2 percent. So there's also some additional funding for new aircraft, ships, vehicles for combat, some new technologies such as microelectronics and hypersonic weapons but the bottom line is it's an 80 million dollar, billion dollar pardon me, 80 billion dollar increase over the prior year and again you want to know why we run a deficit why we keep running up the debt, this is why you just don't seem to ever say no now, this certainly once again I think begs the question and points to the need for a discussion about the proper and appropriate role of government maybe this does make sense defending the nation is a, in and securing americans that is the primary role and function of government and for a long time it was like the only and and so if it makes sense to increase the military's budget by this amount, maybe it makes sense to decrease other spending that's not necessarily the proper role of government. But that, of course, requires a discussion, and I think it's pretty clear that there's no consensus of what the proper role of government is. I got into a little, little bit of an exchange, of a friendly, respectful one, on uh, social media about that very topic. And and we were talking about the $31 trillion of debt. And of course, what this individual who's left leaning said, well, this is because the Republicans give fat contracts to their rich buddies and and cut taxes, whereas Democrat spending is for the community. The community, what the heck does that mean? What do you mean the community? So uh, again, here we go. We're going to increase spending on the military by 80 plus billion dollars. And so the Democrats, by the way, is part of the upcoming debt ceiling debacle, which is necessary to continue to spend money just at the current rate. We have to increase the debt ceiling and keep everything constant. Well, the Democrats in exchange for increasing in the disp- the discretionary spending category broad category the democrats are asking for uh, a commensurate increase in non-military spending that is discretionary and, and and just to clarify what that consists of it's the agency complex it's everything else besides the benefit payments to go uh, out to Social Security and Medicare recipients which are of course mandatory programs and then Medicaid which is also mandatory spending which is just pure welfare and there's a panoply of other so-called welfare programs included in the mandatory spending category and then there's the 500 estimated to be 500 billion dollars of debt interest that number continues to increase dramatically as we as interest rates rise and and our debt keeps piling up so it, back to the discretionary category if you think about all the departments department of ed department of justice department of uh, the environmental protection agency the IRS, the Department of Health and Human Services, the Labor Department, just think about all the cabinet secretaries and all the departments they run those are all funded with discretionary spending as part of the entire complement of discretionary spending which is now about 1.3 trillion dollars. It it was in 21 and so with the increases it was probably going to be around 1.5 trillion dollars of which you can see, based on the figures, $900 billion, roughly, of military spending. The other six going to non-military discretionary spending. That is, by the way, that, that uh, composition used to be like eighty percent of discretionary went to seventy percent of discretionary I should say went to military the other thirty now it's more like went to non-military discretionary spending now it's more like sixty forty yeah Gerard you have a lot of people honking their horn at you this morning (laughs) yeah that's the trains and there's just uh, more activity than I remember last year Rhino of uh, trains tracking right outside our door on the railroad tracks, the dual railroad tracks, that uh, I know you're well aware go right through Tupelo here, right through the downtown area, and there just seems to be a lot going in both directions today. Thomas and Greenwood says there is a, a consensus, there is consensus, but some don't want limited government. i got to tell you, Thomas, it makes no sense. There's no consensus in my, in my view not not broad consensus and not a lot of congruence on the role of government uh, it's, it's pretty clear that we're almost evenly split down the middle on what the role of government should be and uh, you know it's you think about all the ways that we spend money in this country you could i think uh, make a case that the constitution in, in so far as the appropriate role of government it defines, would not include Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and all those other mandatory spending programs. We are at a break right here on Middays. Once again, we're in downtown Tupelo, Mississippi at Stone's Jewelry. Come by and see us, bring a new blanket, make a monetary donation to help out the Sanctuary Hospice. Coming back with Representative Randy Boy, who who, uh, represents Itawama and Lee County. Stay with us.
2: Okay, is everybody ready?
0: I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbons. On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We are at Stones Jewelry in Tupelo, Mississippi. And joining us now in the Element Wealth Studios is uh, Randy Boyd. He's a member of the Mississippi House of Representatives, represents District 19, which includes Itawamba and Lee Counties. Representative Boyd, good to see you, sir. Uh, good to see you, too, give All right, so uh, you had a rather lively session, as, uh, I, the way I would describe it, in uh, 2022. Uh, lots of uh, big things got accomplished, the teacher pay raise, tax reform. Uh, medical marijuana comes to mind. We're, we've got big surpluses rolling in the state of Mississippi, and you're less than a month away from going back down to the Capitol to get it going again. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? What What are your priorities? What do you
7: expect? Well, I think it's going to be a, a, still a lively session, even though it's going to be uh, the last uh, session of the term. Yeah. But uh, I, I think we'll be doing some things, especially uh, to help uh, – the, the children that we've involved in this where we got the Dobbs case uh, having more people, having more babies born and things like that. I think yeah. we're going to be doing some things like that. I think we're going to try to do some things for the uh, mothers and uh, their time off and, and things like that. I hope we can do something on the state level rather than expanding Medicaid. I'm really not for that. I, I look back at too many situations like when housing was began to be federally uh, federal loans came out for that and then uh, like these uh, uh, educational scholarship funds that they put out—you know—we're not going to get paid for some of those. It looks like, but uh, uh, you know, all these things increased the housing market and also increased the uh, the the amount that the schools yeah. uh, charge. So I don't want to—I don't want to get. Medicaid any more into that than we have to. Gotcha. But I also see that we're going to we're going to do some things. Uh, of course, I was with the highway commissioner for the northern district this morning, and uh, mm-hmm. and he's talking about more money for the roads. And of course, we're, I'm Mr. sure we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John uh, uh-huh. has uh, uh, he's like everybody else. I mean, they need more money. We're we're fighting inflation just like everybody in, in their own pocketbook. I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's one of those things, and I think we'll be looking at a lot of different things. And i in particular being over the uh, account. Accountability, Efficiency, and Transparency Committee, I, I'm trying to keep tabs on this uh, lost, uh, this uh, investigation we've got going into the Department of Health. So. Okay, yeah. Do you, do you feel like that's moving along at the appropriate pace, or would you
1: like to see that uh, speed up a little bit? Have you been in touch with some of the folks involved in that?
7: I have been. Uh, it seems to be moving a- as well as they can. I mean, you know, they've got to cover their... Uh, cross their t- T's and dot their eyes and things like that, but uh, I think they're moving along with it. I, I was really worried at the time when we uh, had the replacement of the attorney that was involved, uh, but I, I I believe we've done a good job of doing that now. Yeah, the uh, that's just such a, a strange
1: case, and as you know, the the, the TANF program in general. The uh, the rules around it and the policies for how that money is to be used. I think the federal government could have done a better job on that. That's certainly not suggesting that what happened was was not uh, in violation of those rules. They absolutely were, but. It seems like it 's a bit of a slush fund to me almost it''s, it's I think that the could be more specific about the use of that money, and maybe that 's what the federal government wants i don 't know more more latitude on at the state level for that. Do you feel like the guardrails are in place now uh, in the wake of of this case and what went down and all that money that uh, we're likely never to recover? are
7: in place to prevent that sort of um, illicit behavior from happening in the future well our guard is up for one thing I mean you know things go along so well for a long period of time you let your guard down sure and uh, uh, the, the guard is up right now I think some of the things that they're doing and some of the things that they're realizing uh, will keep us uh, in a better stead from here on out yeah
1: okay well what are your priorities in, in
7: your committee uh, there chairman uh, well, uh, we're continually looking at things. We haven't got a, a big priority right now, so but I'm open to anybody who has a problem that uh, they give me a call, and okay. we'll see if we can't do something with it.
1: One of the things that I've described as sort of unfinished business in the, in the last session, uh, Representative Boyd, was the citizen-initiated ballot measure. Passed the House, couldn't get it through the Senate. It seems like there was a conflict in that the Senate wanted the threshold of signature collection to get a measure certified uh, and and be placed on the ballot, but wanted that higher.
7: Yeah.
1: Do you feel like that's going to be addressed again in the in the coming session?
7: I hope it is. Uh, I for one uh, believe that the uh, citizens have a right to to put something on the ballot. Uh, I. Didn't like the way we had it before, where it went directly into the Constitution, but uh, I'm all for getting um, it to where the signature amount is doable. Okay, I think some of the things that the Senate asked for were were out of range. Uh, it would have been excessive and it's hard enough you know if you go back to when we had the previous one uh it was hard enough to get those signatures then yeah especially when you had to scatter them out now what i'd like to do too is make sure that uh, you can't go just to the population areas and get get your signatures you need to spread that out over uh, over the area quite a bit and uh, that will get you a more diverse population entered into it well so the the prior uh, provision we had in the Constitution. In fact, that's that's
1: where we got sideways right with the Supreme Court and that it was built around having having five uh, congressional House districts, and we only had four, and so the math didn't work, and that's why the Supreme Court threw out initiative 65, which, of course, essentially rendered our, our ballot measure process um, just invalid, that we don't really have one now. Right. So we're, we're kind of in limbo. But So you're saying, though, you agree with the idea of requiring that the uh, signature be evenly spread across the congressional districts like that or
7: some formula similar to that. makes sense? Yes, that that makes sense to me. And and also, you know, don't put the number of uh, uh, districts in there that you have to go across. It has to be evenly spread across the state because if you do that, we're going to wind up with that again. Same deal. We
1: specify four today and tomorrow we got five or in the future we have five or three, whichever way it goes. Yeah. That's so, a problem. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, it's election year next year. You yeah.
7: running for reelection? Yes, sir, my name will be on the ballot. Okay. I'm, well, I'm looking forward to it. I like to see the people and uh, talk to them. You know, these last four years has been, you know, it's been a different time. COVID and all this. Uh, I, I've just gotten to the point where I don't go out as much. But I've always published my phone number where people can get a hold of me. I'm always available if they need me. And I still keep getting a lot of phone calls and uh, continue to help the people.
1: Yeah. Well, I know the folks appreciate it when the representatives make themselves accessible like that. We hear sometimes that that's not always the case, but it's pretty rare. I, honestly, my, my sense is uh, folks in our legislature, both on the House and Senate side, are, are pretty responsive to their constituents. They take those
7: calls, they call them back, they uh, communicate with them. Well, I try to. My, my phone number is 662 That's my cell number. I have it on my hip. You call me, I'll answer. Paul Awesome. Awesome. So uh, election year next year, of course,
1: as we've been talking about, do you feel like that may impact the the activity
7: and, and kind of the appetite for new legislation, especially anything controversial? Well, it has in the past. I hope it doesn't. Uh, you know, when we are elected for a term, it's a four-year term. It's not a three-year term. Right. I, I'd like to see us, if something comes up that we need to do, tackle it, get it out of the way uh you know let the people know that we've tackled it and you know if we've done a good job they'll vote us back if not then they can have their vote the other way yeah absolutely makes sense um you lost the
1: united furniture deal uh the company here 2700 jobs i think uh, also lost as a result of that was truly a blow yes uh, to the area and more is coming out where we probably need to know more about what happened with management including the ceo it's kind of interesting to me that it's the New York Post that's been following this and has published a couple of stories that I've seen as well. But you've got the steel dynamics plant, big announcement. You guys had a special right. special session to to pass an incentive package to bring that in. You got to be excited about how that impacts just this whole northeast part of the
7: state. Oh yes, it's it's going to be a major impact on the whole state, our whole northeast quarter anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the thing about the uh, loss of jobs with uh, I believe our state has handled it well, even though it was a total surprise. Yeah, you know, you know we're supposed to get 60-day notice on anybody that has over 50 employees, so that would give okay. us an opportunity to to get things aligned, but. Uh, I've been in uh, contact with the governor, and I've talked to the speaker, and and we've uh, tried to get things done with the MDES so that they can have people get their money that way, help them find jobs. We've had job fairs in this area. We've got people who want the employees. Um, Toyota at Blue Springs said they'd take anybody that was willing to work. Wow. Well, that's good. So it sounds like,
1: uh, I guess that's the good aspect of having a tight labor market. When you got one door closed, you got others that are opening. So it sounds like a lot of folks will, will land in some form of employment, which which is good to hear. And then you got the SDI, and I guess got a feeling, uh, Representative Boyd, that when Steel Dynamics sets that plan up, you're going to see lots of other businesses form around that to support them,
7: and they're going to be needing folks as well. That's right. And if you look back, uh, I, I got elected. Uh, this is my third term I'm finishing uh, when I got elected there weren't jobs in this area we I think over the last few years we've done a good job of getting jobs and having having a uh, good uh econo- economy in Mississippi that uh, really functions well today
1: yeah well we're looking forward to you guys getting in the session I'm sure we'll be talking to you some more appreciate you coming on there representative Randy boy
7: appreciate it thank you Charlie
1: yep all right, we'll step aside for a break here. Middays is at Stone's Jewelry in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. Coming back with Joanne Stone, the owner of Stone's Jewelry. Stay with us.
0: <laughs> it's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbett. Yeah. Mm. Come on! Let's get
7: on with the show! Yes.
0: On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi.
1: Welcome back everyone to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live today in Tupelo, Mississippi, downtown Tupelo, as a matter of fact. It's Stone's Jewelry and joining us now in the Element Wealth Studios is Miss Joanne Stone, the owner of Stone's Jewelry. Miss Stone, thanks for coming on. Thank you
8: for having me. You bet. Thank you.
1: So I've seen some folks coming in and out of here. Hopefully they are making some purchases.
8: Well, we just need a more of them. We need more of them. But I <laughs> well,
1: do that's app- always the case, isn't I <laughs> do
8: appreciate the ones that have come yeah. right in this weather like it's been, but, you know, well.
1: Yep, absolutely. And so we're also asking folks to come in and help out by uh, the Sanctuary Hospice yeah. by bringing an unused, a new unused blanket or making a monetary donation. Proceeds, of course, go to help Sanctuary hospice and i know that's something near and dear to your heart. Is it you know?
8: is, it is. I've had a lot of friends that they've taken good care of when they've been there and lost a lot of loved ones. And I do appreciate their work there very much, So mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So y'all come on out and support hospice. So we'll take big donations, little donations, whatever. It doesn't matter. And bring a blanket. It may get cold here in one of these days.
1: <laughs> for a good cause right
8: for a wonderful cause yes yes
1: Yes. no doubt about it so uh, just kind of walking around the store here looks like you're stocked pretty well got a lot of inventory a lot of stuff for sale
8: yeah we do and let me tell you these diamond hoops earrings are the been the popular thing so far yeah and uh but we have a lot of other things too you know like diamond pendants diamonds by the yard necklaces which they're not a yard long (laughs) they're (laughs) they're diamonds by the end i I would call it not diamonds by the yard but that's what they're what they call them yeah. anyway. and we have a numerous amount of semi mounts and that's if you've got your own diamond we'll be happy to remount those for you and uh, into one of our mountains that we have. Well,
1: we see a lot of stuff about uh, supply chain challenges that have been plaguing our economy, but you're well stocked. You must have bought smart.
8: We looked ahead. We did. It. We did. And now we got to look ahead to get it out of here.
1: Yeah, I understand.
8: <laughs> but we have. We, we did buy early. Yeah. And a lot of our companies gives us dating through you know through January. Okay. Makes it really good. Yeah. If we buy in early June, July, that really helps. It does. And they'll give us to the first of January to take care of. Okay. And so we've been blessed with that. Gotcha. And here comes the train.
1: I hear it. We've had lots of train traffic today. Oh. I hope that's good for business.
8: It tells, they say, that we have at least 22 trains that comes through here wow. or, from an early time in the morning to a certain time at night, yeah.
1: Well, and looks I like mostly it. freight trains, right? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. So, uh Jewelry sometimes can be a major purpose, a major purchase, I should say, for an individual or a family or, or a couple, as the case may be. Uh, is, is there ways that they can maybe spread that out and Absolutely. make it a little easier?
8: Absolutely. They. We have people that come in now a lot with pictures on their phones that wants us to yeah, know. And a lot that of makes times sense. that leads us to know what... What kind we're looking for, okay. and a lot of times they will lay that picture aside and buy something we got. Okay. You know, instead of getting it made, but we can get it if they bring something in. We do our best to satisfy them that way. So,
1: and you guys been in business a long time, you?
8: Going on 47 years. That is
1: incredible. Well, you must be doing something right. You're doing something right if you can endure in business for 47 years. I guarantee it will be 47 so you. 47 years
8: that. next August.
1: 47? That is, that is fantastic. Yeah.
8: My husband was, oh God, he loved it. He loved it. And uh, I, I didn't know at the time when he passed away whether I could continue this or not. But God has been so good to us. and. It's been a blessing and it's kept me busy it's something to get up to go to every day sure. and I just thank God for allowing me to have the help that I have to keep on going
1: yeah well i I know that the employees and the community appreciate that as well because oh. you're you've been here forty seven years you're an iconic part of it
8: we uh, my daughter has been with me a long time mm-hmm. in the she, But my other help that's here now today, oh gosh, Judy, mm-hmm. she worked with my husband back in the day while he was living, and so she's still here today, and, and she was, Mr. Steve Holland is her minister. Okay, she told me that earlier, yeah. yeah. So Said he plays a piano. She's been around, oh yes. He's, Organ, piano, keyboards. So good. Wow, good. that is awesome
1: so you got great help Great. that's important you got your daughter who works every, with you and you're everybody. you're carrying on the legacy and you should be proud of that ma'am you're doing um, it well um, 47 years it's incredible congratulations <laughs> I'm
8: just asking the good Lord to help me on to uh, keep on going
1: absolutely and I believe he's going to answer your prayers
8: I believe it with all my heart
1: <laughs> we've also got announced that Steve tackett is the winner of the drawing in this hour Steve tackett Steve tackett so come on by with Stones Jewelry in Tupelo, Mississippi. Bring an unused new blanket. Make a monetary donation to help out the sanctuary hospice. We appreciate Miss Joanne Stone for coming on. We'll talk to you later on. We appreciate before we get out of here. you. Thank too. you, man. All right. We got the Mayor Todd Jordan of Tupelo, Mississippi coming up next. Back, everyone, to midday super talk, Mississippi. We are live in Tupelo, Mississippi at Stone's Jewelry today. Be sure and come by and see us and bring a new unused blanket or make a monetary donation and get entered into a drawing, final drawing, coming up at the end of this hour on the middays. And all the proceeds go to help the Sanctuary Hospice. And uh, in the Element Well Studios, joining us now is the mayor of Tupelo, Mississippi, Mayor Todd Jordan. Mayor, good to see you, sir. Hey,
2: glad to be on. Glad to be always be on to tell the state of Mississippi all the good things happening in Tupelo.
1: And I know you got it going on, and we got to start with uh, where we are right here, Stones Jewelry. 47 years. In this community, that's the kind of businesses you want right there. Been coming to Stones for years. Bought my wife's
2: uh, wedding ring here, wedding ring and engagement ring. So, uh, you know, got up that morning. My wife, I mean my mother, reminded me that I told my wife that if she didn't get an engagement ring on Valentine's Day, that it, everything was off. So I had to, I had to get on with it. So we came down here.
1: Picked it out,
2: they you said to it, it the same day, that's right.
1: I wasn't, but everybody else wasn't. Well, well, you know, I'd say that's a smart man right okay. there. Well, <laughs> so. It's worked out well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and of course, the sanctuary hospice is an important part of the community as well. And, and when you have a, a, a business such as Stones that is uh, willing to, to help with their funding needs, $1.8 a year, is uh, what Heather Palmer told us earlier mm-hmm. is required to uh, to operate the Sanctuary Hospice and, and Stone's Jewelry. Miss Stone, of course, big fan and is uh, willing to help and uh, bring us up here and let the state know about the great work they're doing about this great store and and help out uh, a- another organization here in the uh, Tupelo area, that being Sanctuary Hospice. But I think. Mayor folks come from all over this part of the state here to shop. they sure do and and
2: of course, you know, like you said forty seven years and you know some of them come and go, but this has been a staple for so long and and talking about sanctuary hospice house i mean I, the many people that i 've known that have gone through and have passed on. Their families, I've never heard one negative word say about that place. And obviously, we there's a sanctuary uh, thrift store right down the street, which I go regularly to. And, yeah. and it's just a great organization.
1: Well, and the folks that uh, deliver that care, that work in, in that industry in general, and I know it's Sanctuary Hospice, they are angels on earth.
2: They are. And when, about you, about.
1: when you're there and when you're
2: with a loved one and you see that. Process to the end, and you know, you can see
1: the the care in the eyes of the people that work there. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, give us an update. What's going on here in Tupelo? We just had uh, what seems to be a really good hire in John Quack the chief of police here. You hired, hired him
2: uh, in January. Uh, I had talked to him back before I started, uh, kind of thinking about running for mayor. Yeah, uh, we went through the process. Obviously, a retired uh, former FBI agent and he has just been embraced by the community uh, you know, he runs things like the FBI when he's in uh, any briefing you can see timelines and things like that really informative
1: and and he has been a great hire for the city of Tupelo. Yeah well that's awesome and, and of course Mayor that starts at the top. It's got to start with with you and uh, you got a city council right? we got a city council, yeah. seven council members okay. uh, and they obviously
2: uh, were very impressed in the beginning and have been and also we we hired uh, you know a fire chief we were test with that uh, okay. kind of I, I wouldn't say stole him from the jackson airport but uh, kelly elliott has been a great hire also really you guys have bought into to his process he he had a big promotion uh, the other night i think about a third of the fire fire department got promotions and and uh, he's from Pontotoc, left here to go to the academy years ago, wanting to come back. And, and uh, we were
1: fortunate that, that he was available. Hmm. That's awesome. You, you've got a very diverse economy here in the city of Tupelo. In fact, I, I submit that's one of the reasons why the economy is so vibrant. You've got great health care, got great uh, financial, uh, and, of course, you've got retail, service. Really a nice cross-section of, uh, of, of companies, of businesses. Is a private sector. You know, it it's a good
2: problem to have when uh, you know we're we're pretty much the capital of the banking industry and and you know the city of Tupelo was told that when Toyota came that banks would want to come uh, to the city of Tupelo and they have and and it's a good problem to have and you just have to kind of limit on how many banks go in one spot <laughs> uh, because they all want to go to if you ain't getting one to go across the street so that's, that's a great problem to have yeah. you know and, and, and economically we just had the uh, North American Mennonite Conference here 12,000 yeah. people were in for four days uh, every hotel room was booked within 60 miles and I tell you th- that was a great conference uh, you saw people walking around walking around downtown and and uh, we, we're fortunate how that. And they said they're coming back in seven years. Oh, that's awesome. What what attracted them here? How did that get going? <laughs> they had been one time before and liked it. It was a lot smaller event, uh, and uh, you know they just got the whole North American. Uh, a congregation together and so said we're going to Tupelo, hmm. and obviously with our arena mm-hmm. and our conference center now and uh, our hotel rooms, the availability uh, it was just the right fit for
1: them. Hmm. That's awesome. So, all right. So we, we talked about all the the great resources, assets, and the quality of life you have here. What, what are some of the challenges that you're working on? Well, right
2: now our challenge is trying to get uh, a match money for our ARPA, ARPA yeah. funds. You know, yeah. we didn't get anything in the in the first round. Uh, we our Our scores were a little bit low and the reason they they were a little bit low is because we are succeeding our employment is up our median income is up so that puts us at the bottom and you know it's frustrating that when you do the good things that you don't get rewarded yeah and uh, you know hopefully we'll we'll get another you know the second round we'll get get that and we get things underway it kind of puts us behind the eight ball because other people are gobbling up the contractors. I see. So we'll, we'll be it'll be a struggle depending on how much we get.
1: Yeah, so are, are we talking about, I assume, Mayor, the $400 million program that uh, is being administered through the DEQ? That's right. Submit your, yeah, we, we talked about extensively uh, on, on the program because of the situation with the Jackson water problems sure. you're well aware of. But yeah, it's a good point you make that uh, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but uh, to some extent here, you, you may be missing out, certainly, on on this first tranche just because you you guys have done such a good job
2: that's right and, and you know we were told that there were 450 million dollars put back for match and, and yep. only 423 were requested so everybody that had put in would get uh, would get those funding so we're crossing our fingers for the for the second
1: round i got you okay well we'll keep our fingers crossed that you do but you you got to be pleased with the fact that um, you're you're succeeding. It'd, it'd be a different story if you were failing. Then you'd be at the top of the list to get that money. And you don't, you don't want to be there. So.
2: It, it's we were looking over some of the questions. The one question said, you know, do you have any raw sewage? If I had some, do you think I would tell anybody? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to I don't want to be that exposed. So yeah,
1: that's a good point.
2: Uh, but I understand that you know some of the, some of the areas that have been a little depressed. They they need that money too. So you know, it, it's all. Uh, Even's
1: out in the end. Yeah. All right, we got a legislative session uh, coming up. And, of course, uh, municipalities are always uh, in touch with their their representatives in the House and the Senate that, that cover uh, their towns, their jurisdictions. What's on your plate there that you're talking to them about? Well, we had our legislative dinner uh, a couple of weeks ago.
2: All of our representatives were there, Senate and House representatives, mm-hmm. and we laid it out there. And a lot of things were of phase phase two from what we asked for last year. From McCullough Boulevard. Uh, we're still uh, wanting to do a lot of stuff at our, our signature park, Ballard Park. Hmm? We need a new fire station. Uh, we just built one the the fire station we need to replace is 50 something years old, so we have to keep up with our emergency services and I think we need to build a new fire station every five years. If we do that, the one we just built will be 45 years old when we finish. So you have to keep some type of balance there and, and uh, continuation. You just can't get those. get. Uh, let them get too old.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good point, and uh, to a great extent uh, I I have attributed the issues in, with the Jackson water, and trying to draw a contrast here between Tupelo and Jackson, but the point I'm trying to make is, I think you make a good one in that it's kind of like going in a horse or a boat. You're not done when you buy the horse or boat. Your your issues are just starting when you own those assets, and you got to constantly maintain
2: them. Uh, that's right, and I can take the arena, for example. We can build a lot of large buildings buildings and, and things to entertain, but when it comes to maintenance, in ten years you have to spend fifteen or twenty million dollars and it's it's tough to swallow sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, you know, a lot of people want to build, okay, let's build four or five fire stations in the next two or three years. Well guess what? In forty years, guess you gotta build four or five yeah,
1: more. That's actually absolutely, absolutely so, right. So you it's need continuous to, you, that's right, need continuous maintenance. Yeah. Got it. Mayor, always good to see you sir and thanks for coming on middays. Thanks for being here at Stone's Jewelry, appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. You got it. Mayor Todd Jordan has been our guest here in the Element Well studios. We are once again in Tupelo at Stones at Jewelry. When we come back, we've got um, Mari Gia Kelly, the Director of Existing Business Development for Community Development Foundation in Mississippi. Stay with us.
0: To Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Malikalikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian
1: Christmas Day. That's the island greeting. We you from Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. You love that one, don't you, Rhino? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we need to go. Is uh, where the palm trees are in Hawaii for Christmas. Somehow that just doesn't fit. I'm not sure. But it's a great song, anyhow. We are back at Stone's Jewelry in Tupelo, Mississippi. Be sure and come by, bring a new unused blanket, or come by and make a monetary donation to help out the uh, sanctuary hospice house. And uh, joining us now, we've got Amari Gia Kelly. Did I pronounce that right? Man, you're close.
6: You're Kelly. Gia Kelly. Okay. Gia Kelly. Okay. But so, I, look, I've heard it a thousand different ways. Okay, words, yeah, yeah well, shape.
1: I struggle with the same issue with my name. So. <laughs> but you are the director. Director of Existing Business Development for the Community Development Foundation that's in Mississippi. Correct.
6: That's correct. So, uh, so we represent just Tupelo, Lee County there. So that
1: tell us what you do exactly. Yeah. So,
6: uh, so at CDF there, I work with our existing industry. Uh, you know, any, any needs if there's expansion projects, um, anything that they've got going on, uh, workforce wise things like that 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 you know they need help with uh whether it's uh you know state funding that we help with or job fairs um en- anything in that in that realm that we can we can keep them happy and and keep them manufacturing products in tupelo
1: okay got you so but but are you working for just organizations in the tupelo area
6: that's right just tupelo lee county just uh. just our industry here in tupelo lee county now cdf gerard all also has uh, we house the chamber of commerce is you know also part of CDFA. So you. we work with the local businesses as well uh, in that chamber aspect.
1: Okay, yeah. but but um, but CDF specifically works more with nonprofits. Is that true?
6: Uh, no, no, not necessarily. So we work uh, the so we're we're kind of two two separate. So. Uh, uh, on the Chamber of Commerce side, uh, you know, we do all chamber-related you know, activities, as you can imagine, just like every other you know, city in, in the state. right? And then uh, third floor, we've got our economic development team, where we, uh, we've got one team that actively recruits new business and industry to Tupelo-Lee County. Um, uh, I, I help uh, keep them happy once we get them here.
1: Okay. That, that makes total sense. Yeah. So it, it seems to me like it's more about just a- enhancing communities just improving the quality of life
6: no that's right uh you know our, our motto is more and better jobs right so uh so working to bring uh new opportunities to to the people of lee county and uh you know through jobs and you know it's it's i've, I've always heard you know uh so goes tupelo so goes the rest of north mississippi right sure so we're uh you know we we try to try to be at the forefront of everything and 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 be the the leaders in in this part of the state where do you get your funding so uh, we're funded in a couple different ways. So membership uh, through Chamber of Commerce, right? Okay. Um, so those local businesses that, uh, that are members, um, our uh, county board of supervisors, we work very closely with. So we're, we're partially funded by, by them. And then we also uh, own and manage uh, properties and buildings and things of that nature that, that draw some revenue as well.
1: And so do these organizations, uh, then exist uh, throughout the state? Yes. You've got counterparts they're, they're across the state? Items, <laughs> right. okay. There
6: are different economic development groups all
1: over the state. That's I it. right. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. So your responsibility is for this area? That's, that's correct. Okay. Uh, and do you guys collaborate? Do you coordinate uh, activities? Uh,
6: absolutely. You know, we, we know it's kind of a small, small group of developers in, in the state, and everybody kind of knows everybody, and, and, and uh, you know, we, we compete at times, but we all, we all try to play nice.
1: How many staff do you have?
6: So uh, we're at eighteen there, there at CDF right now.
1: Okay. Yeah. What's a typical day look like for
6: you? Oh goodness, uh, you, <laughs> is you there a typical tell. day? No, huh? It's not really typical. You know, nowadays, uh, you know, with uh, with uh, you know the the mass layoff, we've been yeah. very busy with that and yeah. trying to get those people back to work. Um, but uh, you know, we work with uh, our state agencies a lot. Uh, we you know do a lot of a uh, lot of uh, workforce development type things. You know, with with COVID and all that came out of it, everybody was for employees and and still looking and you know we're uh, we, we we work in that that aspect uh, daily um, and just different uh, different things going on within the county and city what brought you to this role yeah, so uh, my dad was actually in this role. Uh, this existing industry okay. role for about forty years. Wow! Uh, yeah, he was at CDF, and uh, you know it was, it was a good opportunity. He was getting ready to retire, and uh, man, uh, there was a, a great opportunity there. I was in the industrial recycling world before I came to CDF, so okay. paper and plastics, and, oh, okay. and also had a good, uh, good working knowledge of the industry here in Tupelo Lee County. And uh, man, it was a it was a good fit. Been mm-hmm. a good fit. Been there for about two years now. So really enjoying it.
1: You get to meet a lot of people doing this, you, don't do, you?
6: you do a lot of a lot of influential people um, and uh, you know it's a it's a, uh, it's a it's a good good deal yeah,
1: yeah. and and what, what would you consider um, a success story or two you, you'd want to share with us that you you feel good about you're proud of y-
6: yeah you know uh, one happened here recently you know with that with that United Lane layoff mm-hmm. um, we uh, we got in so uh, Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning, uh, you know they laid everybody off. at Midnight that night, they sent that mass text out, and hey, they got the gates locked that morning. Um, We had uh, had a little powwow with our folks upstairs, our our CEO David Rumbarger, our Operation VP of Operations Shane Holman, and uh, some of our other ED team, and said, hey, you know what are we going to do? We've got to react. Job fair was the first thing that came to mind. We had sure. to provide some opportunity to get these folks back to work, right? So, um, you know, by lunch I think we had uh, 20 industries signed up. Um, you know, our, our partners in the area, uh, Three Rivers Planning and Development District, yep. uh, Randy Kelly and his team over there, mm-hmm. phenomenal. They were my first phone call at uh, 8:15 that morning, and uh, Terry Treadaway, uh, who's our workforce uh, coordinator, uh, Terry agreed, hey, we've got to do something and do it quickly. Uh, next call was to uh, Barry Emerson. At ICC, mm-hmm. uh, we need a facility. We need your support, and uh, you know, you know, having those partnerships are very important, and we all work very, very well together. So. Um yeah, we uh, hosted a job fair that next Tuesday. Uh, had about 500 uh, employees there with 46 employers. And, you know, uh, we, we're not sure of the actual number, but we think right at about half of those thousand people that were laid off in our area already uh, have found employees. Oh, wow, that's so, awesome. man! It's, it's so it sounds like you more just facilitated, coordinated, and right. just brought all these parties together. No, that's that's right. That's right. So in, in another part of my job, uh, Gerard, in an existing industry role, is keeping very, very close contact and, and building relationships with those industry, right? Those plant managers, those HR managers, and in this situation, that paid dividends. Uh, you know, when trying to organize them and, in a timely manner and get everybody involved, and you know, luckily, um, you know, everybody's everybody's still hiring. Everybody's needing employees, right? Um, it's not the 30 to 50 that they needed during COVID. Yeah. You know, they're not that short-handed yeah. but it's the five to ten uh, you know 12 15 people that they're still needing to fill you know to fill roles in their in their facilities so uh, you know having having that many companies come together in such a short period of time is is definitely an accomplishment and uh, you know could could have been done without our, our, our partners at three rivers and ICC and you know the o- other local nonprofits um, you know we uh, create and united way we're pivotal in that yeah um, you know we um, we actually that uh, last Tuesday gave away $25 gift cards to every United employee that had been laid off that came through the door that oh, way. Wow. Um, oh. And, you know, that couldn't have been done with, without the help of, uh, you know, locals in the community that, uh, you know, uh, heart goes out to all these employees yeah. were laid off at such a, such a terrible mm-hmm. time, right? Right before Christmas, right before Thanksgiving, um, and, you know, uh, just having – a community that wrapped its arms around those people like, like Tupelo Lee County, County has. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing.
1: Yeah. What else do you want the audience to know about community development? Yeah,
6: Foundation? so, so um, you know, one thing I want to plug, next uh, Tuesday we're having another job fair, George. We're going to try to capture uh, that other 500 or so people that did not come through the job fair that day. So I want everybody to know that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're unemployed, uh, absolutely want you there uh, for sure if you're a United Lane employee want you there um, there's going to be uh, right now we've got about 20 employers um, but we hope that's going to grow to that 45 46 mark by next Tuesday uh, and also uh, you know we're going to have some public assistance there Um uh, the create has raised some money United Way has has raised some money and uh, we're going to offer some direct assistance and then also uh, have some of the uh, some of the other uh, public assistance pieces there <laughs> for people to take advantage of. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Yep.
6: So, uh, what about
1: working with the public sector, lawmakers, the city, the counties, do you, do you integrate with no, them as well? Ab-
6: absolutely. So, so Mississippi Department of Employment Security is a big part of that and I sure. had to mention them a minute ago. They They play, played a large piece in the job fair last week and will in this next one. So, working with them to, uh, you know, in, with, with uh, anybody that's Filing for unemployment, needs to go on unemployment, uh, and in those benefits that are that are there for them, so they have been wonderful to work with as well.
1: Yeah, that's good. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that as well. So, uh, it sounds like uh, not only are you in an integral part of the quality of life in the community and just taking care of things, taking care of people, almost sounds like you fit in and fill voids which otherwise would maybe not have been addressed.
6: Sure. No, I think that's accurate. Yeah. No. Ab- absolutely.
1: A pleasure uh talking to you appreciate you coming on middays and coming down to stones jewelry
6: yeah today. sure yeah. man yeah we miss teresa her team are great and and uh we've uh, done done a lot of shopping here over the years and uh i need to be careful my wife may be listening <laughs> but she's got something in the works for me now so that's, no, that's awesome
1: it's wonderful appreciate it Marty. thanks for coming on yes sir we're stepping aside for a break right here once again we're at stones jewelry in tupelo mississippi we're coming back. Uh, let's see. We've got 1250. We've got Miss Joanne Stone coming on back with us. Stay with us. You're
0: listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk, Mississippi. <laughs> Jolly Christmas, it's the best time of the year. Now, I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a jolly Christmas, and when you walk down the
1: street. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk, Mississippi. Thanks so much for joining us today. We are in Tupelo, Mississippi, at uh, Stone's Jewelry. Come on by and see us, and bring a new unused blanket, or come make a monetary donation. All proceeds help the sanctuary hospice house here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Another train passing by, Rhino. Fortunately, uh, the big horn blew while we were on the break, so they they uh, informed us, the folks, uh, the good folks here at Stone's Jewelry, that about twenty-two trains come through here on a daily basis on these tracks do do they parallel the Main Street Rhino or do they cross over in Tupelo Uh,
0: they cross over two of the main thoroughfares there in Tupelo at crosstown you've got Main Street going east and west and you have Gloucester going north and south and then you've got the train tracks that impede traffic in every direction when they come (laughs) rolling through
1: I got you Okay. Well, you know, you, you can't be upset. They're doing business out there. These are freight trains, and, heck, I'm just glad to see the, uh, the rail workers are out there working and delivering the freight to the good people uh, of the United States, including right through here in Tupelo. Now we've got an ambulance coming by hope everything's okay there and that has got traffic stopped a little bit but it's uh... it's quite an active community today for sure uh... rhino tupelo is a good place i know this is uh... your home and we've enjoyed visiting with uh... the local folks including members of the legislature former members of the legislature mister steve holland randy boyd presently represents lee county in the house of representatives the mayor chief of police and uh, Miss Palmer from the hospice house and we've got Miss Joanne Stone coming on with us next to wind up the day so on the Seaspire text line and speaking of the Chief of Police that would be Chief John Kwaka uh, if you caught that interview folks you we learned that he spent uh, what do you say Rhino 26 years I believe with the FBI and um, you can tell the mayor and city council, according to the mayor, are very pleased with that hire. And I also heard the folks here in Stone's Jewelry, all of which uh, live in the Tupelo Lee County area, they were all visiting with Chief Kwaka and were very uh, grateful that he is on board in this position. However, we've got somebody on the ceasefire text line that disagrees and says on the ceasefire text line, an FBI agent a good hire? He came from a corrupt agency and he is a good hire ask him about all the upper people that have left because of that good hire so I'm not sure what upper people this individual is referring to, folks that work at the FBI uh, or folks that work in the above him in the police department here so I, I really can't follow that it's not clear but it's another situation where discernment and nuance and rational clear thought are needed because this is what I call liberal groupthink, collectivism we're indicting an individual obviously a highly qualified capable individual we're indicting them we're almost incriminating them according to the statement made here in this text on the ceasefire tax line simply because of the organization for which he worked and so while we certainly disagree with some of the activity that uh, honestly is borderline illegal if not illegal and unconstitutional the weaponizing of federal agencies is is a huge concern that we've talked about extensively on this program and denounced there's still a whole lot mostly honestly good folks at work in the ranks of these agencies and it's not appropriate or fair in my view to essentially hold one person responsible and and attach the uh, actions of a select few in a very large organization hold them responsible for the actions of those select few just because they happen to work for the same organization that's what the left does with respect to this white privilege systemic racism garbage which uh, seeks honestly to hold every white person in this country responsible for past sins committed by those who owned slaves and engaged in and promoted slavery and profited from it simply because they're in the same race. That that's that doesn't make any sense to me. That's that's illogical and frankly just is um, irrational and. Uh, so gosh, I hope we hadn't gotten to that point in this country. I, I feel like we we speak out against that that sort of behavior right on a daily basis that no that's group thing, that's collectivism, that's guilt by association And, and the sad thing is that's exactly what's happening in America's classrooms, even to really young people in, um, in, the, in the lower grades, kindergarten even even. Where they're trying to indoctrinate um, the, the white children to this idea that you are responsible, you have privilege, and you are responsible for for past sins committed by those simply because you're part of the same race and that's what I feel like's happening here. Well, this person can't be a good hire because they work for an organization that's had some issues had some problems's been weaponized's has been has engaged in in corruption. And uh illegal illicit at a minimum activity at the direction of, of uh um, upper level uh management and authorities that did it for political expediency. We certainly don't condone that, but we're not gonna condemn a person simply because they happen to work for that same agency. That's gosh, that's 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 what you do in communist countries honestly can't can't get uh, can't see the fit for that uh Thomas and Greenwood, by the way, we were talking once again about this uh this situation of health care, which is a huge problem in our state it's a huge problem in our country and we're we're going to have to come to grips with it and address it and of course the thing that comes up is certainly from a legislative perspective uh... whenever you have this discussion about the challenges in health care, should or should not the state of mississippi expand medicaid i, I should point out that because thomas asked me about this yesterday he said you are you just trying to soften the blow here in the way i have, I have commented about this issue that, that the inevitable passing of medicaid expansion in mississippi I don't think it's inevitable. In fact, I don't think it's going to pass. And, and just to clarify, for background purposes, Thomas, I actually spoke against Medicaid expansion on in a split-screen television debate. Uh, it was, it was uh, aired live on, and it was out on YouTube for a long time, but it's since been removed uh, at uh, Mississippi Public Television, and I spoke in opposition to expanding Medicaid That was 2013, nine years ago when this was still just a twinkle in the eyes uh, because the Affordable Care Act had just been enacted in in 2010 and much of the provisions were just starting to come into effect including Medicaid expansion and I made the case against it um, but and so one of the things that I t- talked about yesterday was this law that's known the acronym for it is EMTALA is which was passed uh, in in 1986 signed into law by Ronald Reagan at the time the Mtala law and essentially it's, it stands for by the way the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act it, it really what it require it requires um, hospitals that operate emergency rooms, or those that just are in the emergency uh, care business from refusing treatment to examine or treat anyone that arrives at those facilities if they cannot pay. And they are required to, uh, to screen them and to provide what is, is defined as stabilizing treatment at a minimum, even if they can't pay. And and so I've simply pointed out that if you want to get to a pure free market situation in healthcare, as, as long as people receive care that for which they don't pay and are not able to pay and providers are forced by law to delivering that care, it's impossible to have a pure 100% free market. That's not a statement in opposition to MTAL, it's just a statement about economics in business more than anything so the issue is if you were to repeal that law, Thomas seems to support that and he wants to contact uh, some representatives in the U.S. Congress to do so if you if you do so and you get it repealed then what do you tell a person who shows up in the hospital is having a heart attack in the emergency room can you pay? No I can't pay. Do you just let them die or do you treat them? It's a, it's a serious, complicated, sensitive question. Taking a break right here in Tupelo, Mississippi, at Stone's Jewelry. When we return, we'll wrap up middays with Miss Joanne Stone, the owner of Stone's Jewelry.
0: You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Welcome back everyone to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are once again in Tupelo, Mississippi today. It's Stones of Jewelry. We've got another winner. This would be our third winner of the three hour middays. It's Brian Page. So Brian has um, helped out by making a donation or perhaps brought a blanket in Mm -hmm. to be entered into the drawing this is our third and final uh, drawing of the day congratulations to all the winners this one to Brian Page and so we we want to pass on we got by the way Miss Joanne Stone the owner of Stone's Jewelry want to pass on again that if folks want to uh, help out by bringing a blanket, a new unused blanket, by or making a monetary donation. They can do it beyond a day. They don't yes. have to do it just today right?
8: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, and the proceeds again, the benefits uh, go to sanctuary hospice.
8: That's wonderful. Come on out, folks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> main main Come thing. Come on so. out. All right, so I'm seeing some folks come in here, look like they're making some selections and walking out with some packages and seem to be happy.
8: They're waking up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they're waking up from the rain.
1: Well, that's life in the sales business, isn't it? You're always stressed out about it. Exactly. I know. Yeah, and you, it always works out.
8: But you've been you doing know, this
1: 47 Lord, years. The good Lord's taking care of you, but that's because you've taken care of the people.
8: We love them. We yeah. love them.
1: Yeah. You take care of your, your team, and they take care of your customers? 99 of
8: them are precious. Absolutely. <laughs> it's always that 1%. <laughs> <laughs> I take any No, I understand. Any retailer would say that.
1: Problem, oh, I understand. If they be
8: honest.
1: That, that's right. But the uh, 99% make yeah. it all worthwhile. Yes, don't they? it does. Yeah, no doubt. Does. So, what you think about the, all the guests we had in, in the store here today? We had the chief. We had the mayor. We I'm had. We had old our good friend Steve Holland. He's always a hoot. We uh, Of course, we had Representative Randy Boy that uh, represents Lee and Ittawamba uh, counties. We had uh, Mari Giatelli the director of uh, business development for community development foundation in Mississippi and of course mm-hmm. Heather Palmer that uh, from Sanctuary Hospice so yeah, big, lineup big lineup today big
8: lineup today they all showed up didn't
1: they, they all showed up <laughs> and uh, always do a great job i, I enjoy coming up here and, and visiting with all the great people so the one thing that that i've noticed about uh, being in this position now for 2 years and and having the privilege of traveling the state of Mississippi including the city of Tupelo here is everywhere I go people are so passionate about their communities and I think it's something that distinguishes Mississippi Uh, the cultures are a little different the landscapes a little different the towns have kind of got their own personality but everybody's very proud and 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 very passionate about where they live and and again and want to do good for their community Tupelo certainly no exception
8: Absolutely not. They've been very, very supportive of us down through the years and Lord knows we appreciate it.
1: (laughs) It's incredible. And
8: our surrounding areas. I mean, the little towns all around us, northeast, south, and the west. We appreciate you.
1: (laughs) So, you got folks that travel into Tupelo specifically to come to to your store here, right?
8: And uh, we've got a good customer from Holly Springs, Mississippi. Okay. They come every year. Yeah. It's just amazing. That's awesome. But we had a store in Holly Springs at one time for (laughs) several years. Okay. And, uh, That's that we made a lot of good friends there, too. So, anyway,
1: it's been good. Anything in particular that's been popular this season, this Christmas season? Yes,
8: it has been hoop earrings. Hoop
1: earrings, how about that?
8: (laughs) And I've got one pair over there. Should I say this? Probably not. What? One of the salesmen came in. He said, You've got to have these earrings. Hand them to me, Kathy. Okay. They're hoop earrings, and they're uh, called hooker hoops.
1: <laughs> hooker hooker hoops. hoops. Okay. Look at them. Whatever works. Okay. Gotcha. We, we you know, had, when I was a kid, these were popular.
8: Well, I, you can jump through that almost.
1: <laughs> it's like a hula hoop. Put it That's around right. your waist That's and, and dance said. around with it.
8: Yeah, we could go hoop. So
1: we're, you know, back in. I, I'm thinking about um,
8: the inside. Twiggy,
1: you got, you got you have to be old enough to remember that
8: yeah,
1: the model really, and then she kind of popularized being really, really thin. But I think I want to say she wore the mod clothes in the you know sixties and had the big hoop earrings yeah. as well. So maybe yeah, I remember that. Cause I was, <laughs> what is it the
8: sixties? Sixties, oh, yeah. I think we
1: were around for that. Yeah,
8: <laughs> I was. You might not have been. Oh, I was around. <laughs> I
1: was around. Okay, so the hoop earrings, and you got them in stock And the sell.
8: inside outside hoop. That's. Where the diamonds are shown from the inside of the hoop ring. I see. In there.
1: I see. What about wedding sets? You folks get married?
8: We still, we still have people getting married. Yeah. Not as many, maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> they buy rings.
1: Is this a is this a popular time of year for that?
8: I say the end, of the June and yeah. December. Yeah. The ones that get. Okay. Things in June, sometimes get married in December. I got sometimes you. it gets in December, or will marry in the June.
1: Well, Miss Stone, it's been a pleasure to be uh, with you guys today. Uh, congratulations to all your success, and thanks, I know, are due to you for helping out Sanctuary Hospice as well. well Thank man, you, ma'am.
8: Appreciate it. Appreciate so it. We appreciate y'all,
1: too. Thank you, ma'am. Glad to be here. Well, right. We are out of time here today, and yeah, we're going to be yeah. back in the Super Supertalk Studios again tomorrow. Until then, stay safe, and God bless everyone.
8: Merry Christmas
1: and
6: a super talk mississippi <laughs> media production